gentlemen. All right, please give a warm welcome to Phil Stout. Well, what a privilege and an honor it is to be with you today. Man, I have kept up on West Winds for like decades. And uh, your pastor, David, is a dear, dear friend of mine. And so when he uh, texted me and, and said he was taking off some time this summer, and then, of course, later we heard about his loss. So he's been on our prayers. And just thank you for allowing me to be here with you today. And this is like perfect weather, isn't it? I mean... Of course, I'm in the shade, so maybe that's going to be a little different as you go, but uh, it's just gorgeous out here, and I'm, I'm so glad to be with you today. As we've been thinking, these are really strange times, aren't they? I mean, whoever thought at the end of 2019 that 2020 would look like this? And it's a good time for us to kind of look to that passage of Scripture, that portion of Scripture that people have looked to for ages in, in difficult times. That's the Psalms. The Psalms were uh, the hymnal of the first century Christians and what they'd been raised on. And what we love about the Psalms is there's such a diversity of literature within the Psalms. You know, sometimes the, the psalmist is like just ecstatic, you know. Oh, Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You are so good that we can't put words to it, so, so the oceans have to clap their hands. The, the heavens have to declare your glory. The mountains have to speak. Kind of like that passage in Isaiah that the trees of the fields will clap their hands. Sometimes the psalmist is not so much in that situation. Sometimes he's at the other end of the spectrum. And he's saying, God, what is going on? We call those the Psalms of complaint. <laughs> it's a good description. He says things like, God, it feels like there are arrows piercing me. And truth be told, it feels like you're the one shooting them. And then there's all those Psalms, a whole bunch of them, where the psalmist in essence says, God, see that guy over there? Get him. Bring down my enemies, because I'm, I'm, I'm the righteous one, and I want you to bring them down. There's a lot of little self-righteousness in the Psalms sometimes, but I get those people. But I want to read a Psalm today that is kind of a combination of the realization of how things are and also the hope that we have. I'm, I'm going to read some passages from Psalm 46. You may recognize some of this. Psalm 46 begins with a page turn in the wind. Let's just do it this way. God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in time of trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake in their surging. There is a river there's a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her, and she will not fall. God will help her at break of day. Nations are in uproar. Kingdoms fall. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. The psalmist is saying, we're in a time where really bad things are happening, and, and yet there's good there. Nations are falling, the, the whole earth seems to be in uproar, and yet there's a river that makes glad the heart. And yet, God Almighty is our, our refuge and our strength. And we kind of find ourselves in that time right now, don't we? A lot of good stuff going on, a lot of scary stuff going on. 
I think all of us have been touched in some way by the global pandemic. Obviously, some of us have been impacted more than others. We have friends, and some of us have gone through times of great upheaval. I have friends who've lost loved ones and, and have been very, very ill in the process. We have friends who have spent their lives building a business, and now I've had to shutter that business. We have a lot of people worried about their financial future. We have people who have been working tirelessly as, at the front lines as medical personnel and first responders and people making sure we get our groceries. We have people who, in the third world, are, are seeing this pandemic in a whole different view than we are. And all of us have been touched in some way. Now, I know some of us who, who are, are lucky enough to still have our incomes and, and so far our family's been healthy. We're still frightened. A lot of parents are very frightened about the next few weeks and what's going to happen and how we approach that. What's, what, what do we do with this whole thing? But all of us, whether we recognize it or not, have been kind of touched by this, this malaise in the world right now, this, this fear We've all had times when we went through problems, but we've never had times when we went through problems, when the whole world was going through this together. And we see in this passage where, as the psalmist is trying to say that God is our refuge and strength, and, and the rivers of his life still flow, still it feels like the kingdoms are crumbling around us, and it feels like the entire universe is falling apart. So what do we do? What is supposed to be our response? I think that's what a lot of us are thinking these days. Uh, how do we respond to this? Do we kind of ignore it and pretend it's not happening? Or, 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 or what is it we're supposed to do? When you get down in that psalm to the 10th verse, he says a, a phrase that you've heard many, many times, and I've heard many, many times, where he said, be still and know that I am God. Now, when I was young, I, I heard that phrase a lot, and I thought be still was just literally that, be still. Okay, you're supposed to have a time where you're quiet before the Lord. I don't know about you, but being still was never one of my gifts. It never came naturally for me. Some of you, being still is very, very easy for you to do. And some of you, you're like me. You say, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get, get along with God right now. I'm going to have some time of meditation. And, and I can't turn my brain off. It's going a million miles an hour and thinking about everything. Oh, no, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be still. And, and no, I can't. And, and so I, I spent... A lot of years of my life still do, trying to be still in that moment. But I've discovered that that word, that phrase, be still, has a whole other level of depth to it that we need to hear, especially in 2020. It's, uh, it's from a Greek word. This is the Old Testament, but um, the first translation of the Hebrew Scriptures was to Greek, called the Septuagint. It was about the third century B.C., and and even a lot of people in Jesus' day used this instead of the Hebrew scriptures, this Greek translation, because that was the trade language of the day. And the word, the verb translated be still is the word scalazzo. I love saying that word, scalazzo. Sounds like a pastry, doesn't it? You know? I want an eclair, I want a cannoli, and I want a scalazzo. That's, that's what it sounds like to me. But scalazzo means more than be still. It's literal meaning that says, take leisure. Take leisure and know that I am God, which is kind of a strange thing. Take leisure and know that I am God. Well, we all think about different things when we think about taking leisure, right? For some of us, taking leisure means, this is kind of my take, 
is driving up to the UP and sitting at the edge of Lake Superior and just watching the water. To me, that is taking leisure. For some of you, leisure is a, a good book and a hammock. For some of you, it's breakfast on your deck. For some of you, it's, it's watching a football game on TV. Or yesterday, seeing the first five Detroit Tigers get a home run in the first inning. What a great thing God has given us this weekend with that. For some of you, leisure is lacing them up and going running 10K. You're sick people, but for some of you, that's, that's leisure, okay? But whenever you talk about leisure, what we're really talking about is getting rid of something or setting something aside. When I go sit by the water in the Upper Peninsula, I don't say, I want to make sure I have my phone with me. I don't say, I want to make sure I can respond to my email. You say, no, I'm putting stuff away. I'm getting rid of things right now because to be at leisure means to let go of a lot of stuff. When you go for a walk this afternoon, you're trying not to take everything with you. You're trying to put things behind you as you go. So this, this concept of, of taking leisure, being still and taking leisure, not in a moment, but in a, in a time of our life, means letting go, which is the second meaning of that word. It's an interesting word. The, um, the word sometimes refers to places, and it means to be unoccupied or to be empty. Be empty and know that I am God. You know, a lot of us, sometimes we think of emptiness, spiritual emptiness, as a terrible thing. When, when we're feeling very bad, we say, I, I'm feeling so empty. And yet, for a lot of the great saints over the centuries, emptiness was a good thing because when they became empty inside, when they experienced a spiritual emptiness, what they felt like they were doing was they were making way for God's Spirit to do His will in our lives. They were emptying out of all this extraneous stuff in their lives and being open to what the Spirit wanted to do in their lives. Being open so that something wonderful could happen that Jesus talked about all the time when Jesus said, we could have eyes that see and we could have ears that hear. Be still, be at leisure, be empty-handed, and know that I am God. I, I've got this image of the Christian walk that I want to share with you that has meant so much to me. The great theologian and mystic Meister Eckert, a German theologian and mystic, he used to say that the spiritual life is a lot more about subtraction than it is about addition. And I always picture myself on this journey, and, and Jesus is there, and he's calling out my name. He's saying, Phil. And he's saying to Phil the same thing he said to Peter, James, and John. He didn't say, Phil, get your act together. He didn't say, Peter, accept me as your personal savior. He said, hey, you, come on, follow me. Walk with me. Let's go. He invites me to walk with him. And, and at the outset of this journey with him, I'm carrying a lot of junk. Just all kinds of stuff. There's things on my shoulders and things under my arm and chains around my legs. And I say, okay, I'm going to walk with him. And, and, and as I go toward him, things start to happen. I get to the point where I'm saying, this is just too heavy to carry right now. I'm going to lay this down. I'll get back to that. But I'm going to lay this down. And, and the load gets a little lighter go a little further, and in walking with him, I kind of see by what he's teaching me that I don't need this either, and I, I lay that down, and 
I want to get back to that, but for now, and the load keeps getting lighter and lighter, and a chain falls off my left ankle, and I get down this journey with him, and I look back, and I see that the, the path is just strewn with all kinds of junk that I never got back to because I didn't need it. I was able to empty my hands. I was able to, in progressive way, empty myself in order to be open to him. It doesn't happen in a moment. I wish when I'd have followed Christ, I could have just taken all my baggage and all my junk and just discarded it then, but I didn't have that capacity, and I still don't have that capacity. I'm still walking. I'm still learning. After decades and decades trying to walk with Christ, I'm still laying stuff down and letting go of stuff. Be still. Be at leisure. Empty your hands. And know that I am God. Every one of us has um, a lot of junk we're carrying. And I think the next step in a Christian walk, even during the pandemic, is to say, what's one thing I could let go of? What's one thing I could just set down? What's one thing I don't have to carry? Maybe it's a a self-imposed expectation. I'm going to do this perfectly. No, you're not. Maybe it's that, that regret you have of, uh, of something you, you wish you had a do-over and you're never get a do-over, but it's just something you're carrying. Maybe it's an attitude that's just sabotaging so many things and anger in your life, and you've and you got to let that thing go. You've got to let that down, and it's not easy to do. You may need time of prayer. You may need help from uh, someone you trust very much to walk with that through you. You may need spiritual counsel, you know, but, but it's something you need to let go of. And probably every one of us right now have this thing that we're carrying, and it is the illusion of control. We are control freaks, aren't we? We are world-class control freaks. And we keep carrying that and keep destroying ourselves. And in carrying that myth of control, we can't have eyes that see or ears that hear. And Jesus is saying, follow me. And, and as we follow him, we think that we can begin to set that down and, and let that go. Oh, there could be a lot of things that we need to drop. It could be a relationship. It could, be, it could even be a, a material object that's taken too much. It could be an ambition that's just been driving you and driving you, but, but, but not leading you in the way that God wants it to lead you. It's been driving you in ways God doesn't want it to drive you. What could you let go of? Be still. Be at leisure, at peace. Be empty. Empty your hands and know that I am God. Now, whenever I read that part about I am God, the, the, the passage that always comes to my mind is when we got the first name of God we ever got, and that is the I am. That's when Moses was on the far side of the desert, and he was tending his father-in-law's sheep. Not something I've ever done, but he was tending his father-in-law's sheep, and there was a burning bush, and he went toward that bush, and God, through a voice, spoke to him through that bush to call him to be the deliverer of his people which was not on Moses' radar whatsoever. But it's interesting, the very first thing God said to him as he approached that bush, he's saying, why is that bush not being consumed as it burns? And the voice came, and it said, Moses, yeah, take off your shoes, because the place you're standing is holy ground. 
Moses kind of went back and forth with God saying, I'm not your man for the job. I'm not your man. And he finally said, if I go back to the Israelites and I say that God has sent me and they say, well, who is this God that sent you? What do I say? What's your name? And God said, tell them that I am has sent you. I am who I am. Tell them that I am has sent you. Now, why was that place holy where Moses had to take off his shoes? Well, you know, there's only one reason it was holy. It was because of God's presence. God's presence made that a holy place. Do you know right now you are standing and sitting on holy ground? Why? Because it's outside a church building. No, no, no. Because God is here. Our Christian faith tells us in the words of the Apostle Paul that our God is overall and through all and in all. That you and I live in a God-bathed universe. And if we live in a God-bathed universe, we live in a love-bathed universe. You and I right now are swimming in God. We are swimming in love. We are on holy ground. But unless we let go of some stuff, we won't even recognize it. We won't have eyes to see or ears that hear. Be still, be empty, and know that I am God. Take off your shoes, discard, and know that I am. I want to pray with you a bit. Before I do, I, I, I want to just invite you to, if it's easy for you, take your shoes off. Some of you have already done that. You're ahead of the game. Good job. Uh, if it's easy, I mean, a lot of you got flip-flops on and things like that. It's very easy. If you walked here with sweat socks, just leave them on, okay, for right now. But, but um, you know, you, may, you might want to take off your shoes if it's convenient. And, and what I want you to do, and, and if you don't take off your shoes, you can do this with your shoes on. I, I want you to feel the earth underneath you. No, I'm not going to get weird on you here. I, but but I, I want you to feel the earth underneath you. That earth is holy ground. This afternoon when you walk through the living room of your apartment, that carpet is holy ground. When you drive home and your feet are on the floorboard of your car, do they still call them floorboards? I don't know. When, when, when you're in your car, your feet are on holy ground. Why? Because you and I live in a God-based, loved-based universe, and everywhere we are is holy ground. And God is saying to us, get your shoes off. Get your hands empty. Just set this stuff down. Be still. Be empty. And know that I am. I am God. And in the midst of the worst year of your life, many of you, many of us are having the worst year of our life. My year started out with my daughter in Nashville, Tennessee, in a tornado where the house was destroyed while she was in the bathtub cowering down. Dad doesn't like those kind of phone calls, all right? And some of you have had that. And then to top it all off, we had a pandemic. In the middle of the worst time of your life, when we have eyes to see and ears to hear, we see God, we know God, and every day we know that we are in holy ground and we are in his, his presence. And Richard Rohr says a thing that is so controversial to so many of us. It just sounds too good to be true. He says, because you're in a God-bathed universe, a love-bathed universe, this universe is a safe place to be. I know, I gotta spend a long time with that one and so do you. But when we are still 
when we're empty, when we take off all the emotional baggage and take off our shoes, we will see that he is God. We will know that he is God. We'll have eyes that see and ears that hear. And then God can guide us in all that he has us to do. Let me pray with you, all right? I just would encourage you for just a moment. Ask the Holy Spirit what you need to lay down. Now, don't get a list. Just one thing. What do, you, what do you need to discard? Is it an unrealistic expectation you've had on yourself? Is it a, a regret? Is it, is it something that is just grinding at you? And you've tried to let go. You can't do it on your own. You need the Holy Spirit to help you, or you may need others as well. But just one thing, that's all. He's too loving and too patient with us to, lay, to make us do it all at once. And then in your heart and your mind, as I pray with you, just um, loosen your grip. If your fists have been clenched around this thing, this spirit, this attitude, this, uh, this regret, this expectation, uh, just feel your spiritual fingers loosening and those white knuckles receiving the blood again as you are still and empty and know that he is God. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your grace. Right now, we live in a world that says more, 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 more. You've got to do it right. You've got to do it perfectly. This is, this is a time where you've got to come through. And, and so many times, Lord, we are seeing our whole culture through the eyes of anything but our Father. So help us, Lord, today to be still and know that you are God. Help us to take our shoes off and feel the holy ground beneath us. And help us to know that we are surrounded by your love and grace for this very moment. We pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen.